Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good morning, uh, church. It's good to be with you even on the screen. And we thank God for another opportunity to gather around his word and say what the Spirit of God wants to impart to us this morning. A number of weeks ago, I think two or three weeks ago, Pastor Frank ministered on the subject of the evidence of a faithful witness. I don't know if you recall that. You should if you were in church. He talked about how a faithful witness has evidence to prove that he is or she is a disciple of Christ. So this morning, my message will focus on evidence of spiritual maturity. Evidence of spiritual maturity, and particularly where identity is concerned. From where and from whom we receive our identity determines our quality of life. I want to say that again because that's so important. From where and from whom we receive our identity determines our quality of life. For the believer, there is only one source of identity, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ and the relationship we share with him. As Siobhan pointed out, that the greatest blessing, the principal blessing, is that we are called sons and daughters of the living God. From him, the psalmist said, comes our salvation. From him comes our protection. From him comes our provision and all that pertains to life and godliness. In fact, the psalmist said in 62, verse 6 and 7, He only is my rock, or He alone is my rock and my salvation, no one else. He is my defense, and that's why he said, I shall not be moved, because in God is my salvation and my glory the rock of my strength as well as my refuge is in God. I have learned that when our faith matures in the Lord and our commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ grows, we begin to govern our environment through the presence of God. And through us, we extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom in our spheres of influence. And so what I want to focus on today is the attitude and the evidence of one who has matured in the Lord, one who has grown in his faith and in the knowledge of Jesus our Savior. So 
the foundational scriptures I want us to read are found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through to 26. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through to 26. These scriptures we will look at are very, very precious to me because the Holy Spirit many years ago used them to release me from one of the most powerful strongholds in my life. And I will explain a little later. So here we go, Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Please notice what Moses did when he came of age, or he matured. First, he refused a false identity. He then chose affliction and suffering rather than the passing pleasures of sin. It goes on to say he esteemed or valued the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, and he looked for a reward that comes from God. These are some of the primary evidence of a person who has grown in his faith and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. All of these acts were acts that were born from a mature faith in God. He was no longer a child taking refuge behind a false identity in Pharaoh's courts. Maturity enabled him to come out into the open, face who he is, and identify with the people of God, even if that choice would bring him great affliction and suffering. What we witness here in Moses are the evidence of someone who came of age. This is the attitude of a mature person in the Lord. And let me make this statement. Before we embrace our true identity in Christ, we must refuse and reject all foreign identities. Notice what the scripture says. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Remember, in the courts of the palace of Pharaoh, and in the whole of Egypt, Moses was known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And this was not his true identity, of course, but that was an identity which Pharaoh's daughter gave him. He came into the realization, Moses, of who he really was and embraced his true identity of his birth and heritage in the Lord, even though he knew that his decision would cost him dearly, even great affliction and suffering. 
accepting his false identity would have given him great privileges, as you, as you know. As a prince of Egypt, it would, have, it would have given him whatever this world has to offer. Privilege, status, wealth, power, authority. But it would have severed his destiny and separate him from his people and cause him to lose his eternal reward. Now, let me say this. When we accept these false identities and we receive them as our own, which, of course, the world places upon us, will keep us from growing up in the Lord and from fulfilling whatever God called and assigned us to do. We will end up forfeiting our God-given inheritance. Many believers, they struggle today under the yoke of false identities, which, of course, the world, our culture, worldly culture, our upbringing, our teachers, and even our parents gave us. These false identities, they weaken our confidence in the Lord and drain our courage. They will continue, I believe, to haunt us until the day we come of age and we are no longer afraid and begin to push back, refusing to be known or identified with anything else other than the identity Christ our Lord gave us through the new birth. When we accepted Christ by faith, we also accepted his death as well. What does that mean? The Bible says we died with him. The question arises, who died? The old man died with all of his false identities the world has placed upon him from our natural birth. Everything that belonged to the old man from his race, his nationality, his past, and his future were done away with. The Bible says we were buried with Christ, buried with Christ and no longer to be remembered as such. The Apostle Paul said, we know no man from henceforth after his flesh or after his natural identity. We refuse to know any man. There are two kinds of men. Either you are in Christ or out of Christ. Amen? So Paul says, we do not know anyone from henceforth in the natural or after his natural identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, no longer to be remembered, no longer to be meditated on. Behold, all things have become new. We are no longer worthless. We are no longer the rejected or sinners saved by grace, as some believers believe. We were sinners, but grace saved us and made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
We are no longer the rejected. We have been accepted by the beloved. Nor are we the victims of our past or the victims of our upbringing, but we are new creations in Christ. We are chosen, the Bible says. Not only that, we are sanctified. We are accepted, loved, and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And this is our true identity in Christ Jesus. Then, of course, there are other identities which gives a person a false sense of pride or a false sense of security, uh, leading us to trust in foreign entities rather than trust in God. Many today will seek identity in the denomination or in the name of a person like the Corinthians did. One said, I'm of Paul. The other one says, I am of Peter. The other one says, I am of Apollos. You know, they, they would seek to find that identity in personalities or in their denomination. Others in the nationality or the culture. And many more, of course, in the wealth and that they accumulated or the titles they have added to their name especially if they are highly educated. Now, a mature believer, though, one who has grown in his faith in the Lord, finds his true identity and security in Christ alone and in his or her relationship with him. They refuse to be identified with anything else or any other thing that might give them some kind of recognition, status, privileges, or security. You know, there's a beautiful hymn we sing from time to time entitled, In Christ Alone I Stand. What a beautiful hymn. What a spirit inspired hymn. In Christ Alone. I love this hymn. It is the confession of a mature disciple of Christ. Any other identity that we embrace as our own will limit us, will enslave us, and of course keep us from God's very best. My own testimony is this. I was born and raised in the traditions of the Orthodox Church, and the two most powerful identities in my life were my Greek nationality and heritage, and my orthodox way of thinking. My beliefs at that time and my worldview was formed and fashioned around being Greek and orthodox. Even after I got born again and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I viewed everything through the lens of my culture my nationality, my denomination, and was very proud of them. Now, there's nothing wrong in identifying with your nationality or your particular denomination, but when that identity isolates you from the rest of the body of Christ, it becomes a major problem for the unity of the church. When we esteem culture or nationality, above kingdom culture and kingdom values and beliefs, 
then we have a major problem in the way we live our life. The Bible says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The identity we should cleave to and embrace with our whole heart is the one of being a son and a daughter of the living God. That's who we are. You know, whole wars have been fought over denominational differences, gender differences, cultural differences, and great splits have come out of that, which, of course, have hurt the heart of God and the body of Christ. The body of Christ is riddled with division today, and all of that comes from spiritual immaturity by clinging to false and foreign identities. I recall many years ago, even though I was born again filled with the Spirit, I would spend more time defending my orthodoxy rather than preaching the gospel. This false identity isolated me from the rest of the body of Christ to the point where I would refuse to go minister to people who were not Greek Orthodox. How blind can a person be? You see, this is what strongholds do in your life. Yet this is what strongholds do. They blind you. You see everything through the lenses of what you identify with. They prevent us from coming into maturity because our faith and trust is no longer fully in the Lord, but in some other thing by which we receive our identity. That's why I said in the beginning of my message this morning that from where and from whom we receive our identity determines the quality of life we will have. It didn't matter that these wonderful people were Christians, brothers and sisters. I would not fellowship with them. For fear, listen to this, for fear of being labeled by my denomination as a heretic. So I would avoid them. Guess what? That which I feared came upon me. And I was labeled as a heretic. <laughs> Even though I tried so very hard to avoid it and was excommunicated from the Orthodox Church. I would literally fight to keep my orthodox identity until the day the Holy Spirit opened my eyes through the verses we read from Hebrews, and from that day I refused to be identified with a denomination that has blood on their hands by persecuting those who are sent by God to them, showing them the error of the ways. Listen to what Paul said in regard to this very thing that we're talking about today, identity. He says 
in Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 9, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. You see, here there was a time when Paul found his identity in the law, in his Hebrew heritage, and in the tribe of his ancestors. And for the sake of those things, he said, he would persecute the Christians, killing them and putting them in jail, and putting in jail many of them. But later, when the Lord appeared to him, you see, it takes revelation knowledge to see these things that I'm talking to you about. He came to acknowledge that all these things he found identity and trusted in, he now considers them as rubbish for the excellence of knowing Christ and finding his true identity in him. You see that? God said through Jeremiah, but let him who glories, glory in this. What should we glory in? What should we boast in? That he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Let him who boasts, he says. It's all right to boast, but only about one thing, that we know and understand the Lord who exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. Amen. So if we're going to boast about anything, let, let us boast in this. Let me also say, the inner images of failure, false identities, which we have inherited from sources outside of the Word of God, must be torn down by exercising the spiritual weapons the Lord has given us. Only then can we experience true freedom in the Lord and become the kind of people who bear much fruit in the kingdom of God. 
Jeremiah, God said through Jeremiah that the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and he said, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth and through my words in your mouth, you're going to do this. You're going to root out, you're going to pull down, you're going to destroy and you're going to throw down and you're going to build and plant. So the Lord has given us his word to do what? To root out, to pull down, to destroy and throw down all foreign identities. Anything that we derive strength, peace, security from apart from the Lord so that we can embrace our true identity in the Lord. Are you still with me? Many carry within themselves false identities, failure, weakness, rejection, guilt, shame. Many identify more with the past than what the Lord has done for them in the new birth. So we need to examine our, our minds, our hearts, and ask the question, what is the Lord calling me to refuse and reject today? What identity am I clinging on to besides the Lord? What image am I bowing to and worshiping? What identity am I embracing given to me from the evil one, not from the Lord? What lie am I believing? And as a result, I am being drained of courage. My spirit is weakened and I'm filled with guilt and shame. Church, it is time to grow up, to mature in the Lord and in the things of God, to rise up in the power of the Spirit, exercise our faith in God's Word, and throw off these false identities and reject them. And in Isaiah 52, verses 1 and 2, I believe it is the call for the church today. God, through Isaiah, said this, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. You see, when you spiritually are awakened, you are immediately strengthened by the power of the Spirit. He goes on to say, Put on your beautiful garments. Put on your true and real identity, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Amen. Shake yourself, he says, from the dust. Arise and sit down and loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. God is not going to loose you. He's already done it. You need to rise up. You need to shake off those false identities. And we need to break loose from those things that weaken us, that drain our courage and our confidence in the Lord. The second thing Moses did was to choose suffering and affliction rather than the pleasures of sin. A mature disciple makes godly and wise choices, even if those choices will lead him to suffering and loss, and affliction. They consider themselves blessed and privileged to suffer for the sake of Christ. Peter says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, 
for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Now this type of believers are without compromise. They will stand for Christ and with Christ regardless of the circumstances. The third thing Moses did was to esteem or value the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. You see, spiritual maturity values what God values. To be rich in Christ is more honorable to a mature disciple than any treasure the world can give him. Mature disciples of Christ are usually hated by the world and its systems. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Paul says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not perhaps, not maybe, but will suffer persecution. And finally, spiritual maturity in a person enables him to look at the things in the light of eternity and the eternal rewards of a godly life that produces. They are not enchanted by the gold and the glitter of this temporary world, for they look for a city whose builder and maker is God. So let us ask the question in closing. Have we reached an age of maturity yet? Are we mature enough to identify fully with the people of God, to embrace our true identity, and to reject all foreign and false identities? As the psalmist said, He alone is my strength. He alone, only, no one else. From Him alone comes my expectation. And when we reach that place, no one can disappoint us. Nothing can disappoint us. No one can frighten us. And no circumstance in life can intimidate us. Because our faith is rooted and grounded in Christ alone. I wish we were at the church, our church building today, so that we could sing this beautiful hymn, In Christ Alone I Stand, All Else Is Sinking Sand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning. We thank you that when you redeemed us from the hand of our enemy, you have brought us into your kingdom. You have given us, Father, a brand new identity in Christ Jesus. And I pray today that we will embrace that identity with our whole heart and mind and be able to declare it without shame, unashamedly, that we are Christ's, that we are the children of the living God, born of the Spirit of God, created in your own image, redeemed, holy, sanctified, and blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
Thank you, Father, for this brand new identity. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.